Welcome back to Navigating Life, a podcast by Lighthouse Baptist Church. We are on our next episode of Diving Deeper. And this past Sunday, Pastor Tim, you wrapped up the the series we've been doing for these last eight weeks now, uh, called Seven, because um, we added that extra week on uh, just to, to kind of culminate everything and to really put into perspective what we've been doing. But I just want to ask you, this was a, a really impactful series for me, and I hope for the, the people in our congregation, but what were some of the highlights uh, for you as we w- worked through this series? Man, uh, I don't know. I guess really seeing so many similarities between some of these churches and, and the, the church universal today. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, some of the highlights uh, is some people individuals who've reached out to me over the last uh, seven weeks or eight weeks and and have shared with me how God's been speaking to them in their life and uh, um, and how God's making changes in their life. They're allowing God to work in their life for mm-hmm. maybe the first time uh, in, 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 in their life. So that's that's been the biggest highlight is seeing people actually take what scripture says and applying it to their life and making changes uh, out of that. Uh, it's been very, very encouraging. Is there anything um, that specifically, you know, impacted you uh, as you were studying and teaching through this? Yes. Uh, it's given me a, a greater passion. Uh, and, and when I say passion, you know, along with passion comes burden. Mm-hmm. Passion is the fun part. That's the fun word. Burden is the negative side of that, but you can't have, I don't know that you can have passion without having burden. And so it's given me a passion to teach um, our church harder, but also a burden for those who, who uh, are not following scripture. And, 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 you know, because when you read these seven letters, um, some of them are, you know, have encouragement as we talked about. But a lot of them have problems when Jesus says, I have this against you. Right. And, and reading these, studying this, and preaching and teaching this, these passages, my heart's been um, wrenched at times. And I wouldn't say fear, but um, burden. That, uh, it's, would he say this about us? Right. Would he say this about our people? Uh, would we would we be this kind of uh, church and uh, just it's a heavy weight on the the pastor of the church to it should be if the pastor loves his church it should be a heavy burden to read these seven letters and say is this us is there any way lighthouse could be this problem when Jesus says I have this against you you know what would he what would he have against us and that that's uh, that's been just a very impactful to me right just that thought of could we be doing anything that's displeasing Absolutely. to our lord and and if so like well let's correct that as yeah. as soon as possible um i think two of the the big things that stood out to me one um i think personally i identified probably most with maybe Ephesus thinking through is like you know, what is my motivation behind all the actions that I'm taking? Because it's it's easy for me yeah. to work in church every single day, be, you know, all caught up in it, to to study the scripture, to be testing the teaching, everything that they were doing good. But it's like, what is my motivation? Am I doing all of this out of um, my love for Christ? Is, right. is that why I'm doing it all? Or am I doing it because, you know, it's what I'm supposed to do. It's what's expected of me. Um if I didn't do these things, would mm. people look at me differently? It's like all these outside motivations that, you know, Jesus isn't just looking for my good behavior. Right. He he wants my heart. Yeah, I was going to say, are you doing these things out of your heart for him, or your love for him, or out of out of your uh, nature as a rule follower? Right. You know. Right. That's that, and, and it's good to follow rules. Don't get me wrong. We should follow rules. That's what rules are for. But. Um, you know, I uh, <clears throat> I think I mentioned Sunday that you know I, when I leave the house uh, most mornings uh, I make the bed, mm-hmm. and I don't do that because uh, there's a rule in my house that says the bed has to be made, or because I enjoy it. I do that because I love my wife, right. and I know that's important to her. So that's kind of the way I try to look at scripture. It's 
some people look at scripture as being restrictive. Oh, it says I can't do this, I can't do that. I look at scripture as a guideline to help me show my love to my Savior. Right. You know, I, I can complain about why, you know, whatever. But listen, my my motivation in life is to is to please Him, uh, not to please me. And that's where that's where the grind starts between a person and Scripture and following the rules. Um, is when you know I wonder sometimes, do you really love him? Mm-hmm. You know, if if you if you love someone, you want them to be happy. You want to do the things that that they like and what they want. And so, uh, you know that that goes for <clears throat> maybe a, a coworker at work, or you know a spouse, or a child, or our God. I think the other thing. <clears throat> That is important to think about in in terms of love being the motivation is, you know, when love's the motivation, it doesn't feel like a burden to to do it. Absolutely. You're excited to do it. You're glad to do it because... Most of the time. Right. I don't don't get excited about making up the bed. I just do it. You get excited because you love your wife. I get excited thinking that she's going to come home and say, wow, he made the bed. That's cool. Right. There there are definitely things with Shauna that... I don't get excited, but I get excited at the fact that she'll get excited. Right. And so it's that, that motivation. Um, so out of these, these seven churches uh, that we've, we've been studying these past few weeks, are there any of them that stood out to you uh, for some reason or another? Um, that maybe a couple of them that you know, it, it impacted you specifically more and then maybe made you think about the church more? Well, um... One of the things I, I really there's some there's some I guess good ones and some bad ones you mm-hmm. know uh, Pergamum was one of the most impactful in how they they did they they did not abandon their faith when they were persecuted. I believe we're headed toward persecution. I don't believe we understand what persecution is. No. You and I and probably no one listening. Um, but <clears throat> I do believe we're headed that way. I think if Jesus doesn't come back, then some of us, maybe in our lifetime, may experience real persecution. And I hope that we will follow that part of Pergamum's letter in that we will remain faithful uh, in in the middle of persecution. To me, that's where... um, Love is really shown. You know, it, it's it's easy to love someone when everything's going well. Uh, it's when things get really tough. How do you behave? Um, you know, and and I as I read through this letter at Pergamum and and hear how Jesus talks about how they didn't abandon their faith, and that's that's great. Um, but also, my heart breaks when I read him say, "But I have this against you." You're letting you're letting this false teacher, you know, tell you know, teach stuff in my name that's that's completely um, against my word, and and I and it just breaks my heart, knowing that man, this uh, how many people today they'll say, hey, I'm a Christian, um, and they got that part of Pergamon's letter right, but then they're gonna follow s- some teaching that makes them feel good. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it, you know, and, and it's and it's absolutely against the scripture. You know, it's um, it's easy, it's tempting. When I say easy, I'm not saying like a in a in a you know difficult manner, like putting together a puzzle. I'm saying it's tempting to take scripture and twist it mm-hmm. to say what you want it to say to make you feel. You know, there's there's a lot of um. I don't know how many times I've been told by somebody, I say, well, I understand that's what Scripture says to you, but here's what I get out of it. Well, that, that's red, big red flags. Right. I've said many times before, Scripture says what Scripture says. And there's, you, <clears throat> there's no multiple ways to interpret it right correctly there's only one way to interpret it correctly and there may be there are there's endless ways to interpret it right. but there's only one way to interpret it correct so um <clears throat> these people were allowing this false teacher to say hey you do you you bow down to this god you worship that god do whatever you want to do don't let you know and <clears throat> i'm afraid 
the American church is looking more and more and more like that. I think one of, uh, just along that line made me think of one of the greatest blessings and dangers that I think Christians in the church today face is uh, the access that technology allows us to teaching of the word. Um, mm-hmm. It is fantastic because, I mean, you can listen if you wanted to, you know, to, Look at what we're doing to right now. 30 great right. sermons on a oh, Sunday yeah. of fantastic teachers who are teaching the Bible correctly. Yeah. And then just as easily, you know, you, you can listen to a podcast very similar to this, but if they are, are teaching the wrong thing, you, you can be listening to it and they can, again, like you were saying, they can have scripture in it. Um, they can be reading it. They can be quoting it. But if they're twisting it, then it's wrong. And, it, and a lot of times that false teaching, again, makes you it feel good. And, um, and you know, Caleb, the worst, and you know, I, I preach. We do everything around here with what? Excellence. Absolutely. So I, I think we do, every, we, we try to do everything with excellence. And we, I want to continue to do that. We, I mean, we're working for the Lord. We should do the best we can at whatever we're doing, whether it's mopping the floors or, or, or preaching a, a message. But the problem, I'm also concerned that. So many people today look for um, entertainment. So what? And the reason I say that, you said something about you could listen to however many great sermons. The question is, what makes a sermon great? Right. See, it, it may be different to you than me, or and to you know Kristen across the hall or whoever. There, whatever makes what makes the sermon great, and to so many people, it's it's entertaining. It holds my attention. Uh, it's the right time, like period. It's like it is. It, it ends and you know it's thirty minutes and not forty five minutes or forty five minutes, not an hour, whatever. Um, and 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 is, does does the the speaker's voice sound a certain way? Does he inflect properly? And you know all this stuff. That's really it's entertaining. Does it does it does it tell me like? Um, you know, how I should raise my kids uh, versus how I should live a holy life. Mm-hmm. You know, we, typically people don't like sermons that teach us how to live a holy life. Right. <laughs> they, they like sermons that teach us how to live a, an abundant life. Mm-hmm. So there's, see, all right. And for instance, um, look at all of Pergamum. Their, their, their praise was that they did not abandon their faith when persecuted. The problem was that they were worldly. They were, they were living to make themselves happy, you know, um, here on this earth. And, and they tolerated false teaching in church. Well, then look at Thyatira. They were growing in love and faith and service. That's great, right? They, they were, but here, what, what was the first problem? They tolerated a false teacher. Kind of see a pattern here right yep um it's it's on and on we see so constantly um these false teachers in scripture but they exist today and that again goes to my pastoral burden i guess and that i'm so worried about our people and who it is that they're they're following or listening to i encourage people all the time you know, to go and listen to podcasts and listen to other preachers and, and all that stuff. But sometimes when they tell me, hey, I listen to so-and-so, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, why? Mm-hmm. It stop, you know, because uh, a good sermon is not necessarily a feel-good sermon. Yeah. Usually it's not, you know. But, again, they were, um, you know, Pergamum were, was, they, they, they didn't abandon their faith. Abandoned their faith during persecution, but they were they were tolerating this false teaching, and, and we see that on and on. So, so I think one of the I don't even know how to phrase this. It was extremely tough and extremely helpful at the exact same time. But you tasked us as a staff to come up with questions to ask both ourselves and the congregation um, some really hard questions based on what Jesus said to these churches. Mm. Um, and so we sat down and, and we went through and we, we recapped all the churches and we kind of got the, uh, the theme of each one. And based on those themes, we came up with these questions and you, you presented them to the congregation and, and told them to write 
down an answer as honestly as mm. possible um, to kind of evaluate well, how does, you know, how does Jesus look at us right now? Kind of what you were saying earlier is, is you know, are we doing anything that is displeasing to Christ? So I wanted just to walk through these questions um, with us here and, and we can talk about them a little bit. But uh, the first one is, is just seemed like we had to ask this question because all of these churches uh, were, well, most of them, Sardis, probably not, but they were they were promoting the gospel and they were growing and they were doing these things and Jesus praises them for it. But that first question, you know, when is the last time I shared the gospel? And I think that is a really important question for every Christian to ask because Again, we talk about the things that we're passionate about. We talk about the things that we really care about. I guarantee you right now today, there have been hundreds of thousands of conversations about the Braves game. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, We can won. talk about they that go, if you want. Yeah. <laughs> because they, they won. They go on. It was exciting. I mean, again, every, every Sunday around here, college football gets brought up or, or yeah. whatever. It's because we're, we're passionate. But Listen, we live in Georgia. The Braves are winning and the dogs are winning. Everybody's <laughs> happy, Everybody's right? Everybody's happy right now. But again, like that question, when is the last time I shared the gospel? And it's something I had to ask myself. Um, like, when's the last time I had like you know a one-on-one conversation with somebody? Because again, it's easy for me. I don't. I don't necessarily think it's a cop out, but it's not the same. Like, I share the gospel every time I teach, or I share the gospel when I preach. I got to preach mm-hmm. at a church this past Sunday, and I got to share the gospel with it. But you know, mass uh, proclamation is not the same mm. as having a one-on-one right. conversation with somebody. And so I, I, it was a, again, I think, uh, and I'm sure Connor would, would say the same thing. As we were going through these questions, a lot of them were like, we need to ask this question, but I don't know if I want to ask it mm. to myself. Yeah, um, exactly. But then, so then kind of based on... um Ephesus and these other church, I thought this was an important one too. You know, how do I react when God's word commands me to change my lifestyle? Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. And because really, <clears throat> you know, I, I talked about in this uh, past week message about how, you know, uh, Jesus tells the parable and talks about how you can, you can, they will know you by your fruit. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> People say, "Well, how do you know if someone's a Christian?" But I, I just tell them, I, "I don't, I don't know if someone has received Christ, but I do know what kind of fruit they're bearing. I can see that. I can't see to their core uh, of their heart, but I can see how they live their life." And Jesus said, "You can't get, you know, fruit from a thorn bush. There's a." Uh, so, and, and his point is, how you're living your life tells the rest of us what's on the inside, right? Because that's what's pushing out whatever's growing out on your limbs uh, is is coming from the inside. So, the the real question is, how do I react when God's word commands me to change my lifestyle? You know, am I going to receive God's word as truth and authoritative? Absolutely, because you. Um, we talked about in our um, men's early morning, we, on Wednesday, Tuesday mornings, I have a men's group, as you know, uh, at 6 a.m., and we're going through this book called to Learn to Live and Love Like Jesus. And this past week was about confession, and um, you have to, if you're going to confess, you got to get, get real serious. And we, and we talked about in there how uh, confession really is agreeing with the Lord what he says is sin is sin. And when I choose to argue that what he says is best for me is not, what I'm really doing is saying I'm God. Because mm-hmm. you, don't, you don't argue with someone um, that, about something being that you know a better way unless you're higher than that person, right? I mean, that just makes sense. I, I, don't, I don't go to my doctor uh, and say, hey, you know, why don't you treat me this way? If I knew better, I don't need to be paying that copay. 
Right. right. I just treat myself. <laughs> so, I, I mean, and he knows better because he has the education and the knowledge and all that. Now, I may have some input into it, but really, ultimately, he knows what's best for me. Mm-hmm. In the same way with, with Scripture, uh, if I say, oh, I know what your word says, but there should never be that word. Right. But should never. But if I say, okay, God, I know you telling me that I shouldn't, I should change this in my life and I should change this in my life. But I think. So what, what I'm really saying at that point is I know better than you. And if I know better than God, then I must be equal to God or at least or higher. Mm-hmm. And so what we're doing is we're making ourselves into be, to be God. And so the question, how do I react when God's word commands me to change my lifestyle, tells me what my opinion is of God and his word. Is it authoritative? Is he, is he really all-knowing? Because if he is, you're not going to be questioning. Right. If you're questioning, do you, re- you can't believe that he's all-knowing. I, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue with a guy that I felt like knew everything, literally. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's the guy that's on Jeopardy right now? Is one like millions of dollars, you know? Uh, I don't know if you watch it. Well, actually, I I, I saw that he his streak got broken. He finally lost oh, really? like thirty eight times in a row. Or oh something. wow! I didn't. I said, so that says how much I've been watching. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. <laughs> but he's knowing enough that I probably wouldn't argue with him about very many things. Right. You know, uh, <laughs> it, it's funny. I sometimes you you'll see certain categories on there, uh, Bible and sports. A lot of times, those guys. Whoever's on there have no clue. They can't answer those questions. Like, you know, man, I should be on that week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's two categories I, I could I could get. You know, but the rest of them. <laughs> anyway, you know, it, it's <clears throat> that's the whole point. That's where the rubber meets the road. Am I going to read the scripture and make changes based off of what the scripture says? Make changes in my life, allow it to affect me, or am I just soaking up knowledge? Um, and I wouldn't. I don't know if I even call it knowledge if if I'm not if if I don't put enough value in it to allow it to affect my life. Right. If, if you know, it's, it really is almost trivia at that point. Uh, like yeah, exactly. I mean, it's 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 kind of yeah trivial knowledge. Mm-hmm. I mean, my heart's desire as a pastor, and, and as you know, and and yours too, and anybody who who has a pastoral heart, my heart's desire is to see people read the scripture. And then do something about it. Uh, that, that just it just brings me to tears every week as I as I pray and think about man, God, is this going to affect somebody's life? I think this question really, if you boil it all the way down, is the question you asked at the end of your sermon. You know, is Jesus actually Lord? Yes. To you, right? Because if He is Lord and truly Lord, that means He's in charge. Um, and then one of the uh, my favorite things, it's a great reminder for me, is you know the word that Christians are referred to most as in the New Testament is actually slaves. That's right. A lot of times we interpret it as servants because it makes us feel a little bit better. But yeah. truly, like we are supposed to be slaves mm. to God. Mm. And I, we were talking about this the other day, and mm-hmm. I thought it was a good point. But, you know, if we are actually slaves to God, then when he says something, we say, yes, sir, and we do it. Absolutely. Like, there's there's no no, debate. There's not an argument. There's not a debate. It's like, you're in charge and I'm not, and I understand that. Exactly. And so, if he truly is Lord, then our reaction to his command should be, oh, okay, yeah. As soon as I can, like, I'm going to sprint. Like, I'm going to, it's like when that coach tells you to go, it's like, all right, I'm going. (laughs) Right. Yeah. There's no guessing about it. And and you're most effective when you go that way. You know, I I used to, uh, uh, I I used, used to coach football, and I learned that when, uh, a player bought in to my teaching and really believed it. He went a hundred percent when he wasn't quite sure whether I was telling him right, or he had it right. He was understanding it right. He would kind of tiptoe, you know, he wouldn't go all out. Right. And, and I, um, and I would tell my guys, listen, just whatever you do and do it wide open because you're going to get hurt tiptoeing around. And, uh, and, and so it's kind of like Christians I see, when they're kind of tiptoeing, well, you know, I, I'm gonna go to church, but uh, I don't, I don't know that I'm gonna allow the teaching of the scripture to change how I live my life. They're kind of tiptoeing, and, and, and to me, that's concerning. I'm not trying to 
you know, as the world would say, judge them. I hate that terminology because it's always out of context. But at any rate, um, it's not a matter of me looking down at them. It's a matter of my concern for their heart because what I see is they're not confident in who told them to do that is right. Mm. You know? Mm. And I mean, how can how can he be Lord? Right. How can he? How can you say that he's Lord and he's 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 God and he's he's your Savior when you're saying, uh, but you know, I'm not sure he's right about this. I'm not sure he's right about this. that's a that's a that's a fallible God, not an infallible God. I I, I don't want, we can't. I'm not going to serve a fallible God. You know. I think one of the biggest problems in the American church is we want to separate Savior and Lord. We want Oh the yeah, Savior. absolutely, absolutely. And then we don't want the Lordship absolutely. that comes with that. But absolutely, Christ always says, "No, I'm I'm both. I'm Lord and Savior." Yeah, and so and he literally can't be your Savior until he becomes your Lord. Right. Yep. He doesn't. You, you do it can't. That way. He can't go the other way around. <laughs> yeah. And that's what a lot of people want. Let me get the Savior, and then I I, I kind of flirt with the Lord part, mm. and, and and decide whether I want to marry him or not. You can't do that. Marriage comes first. You you become he becomes your Lord. And then once he does, then he's your savior. So this next one I thought was interesting because I don't think a lot of times we think about, you know, why we serve uh, in the church. Um, well, first off, we serve because we're commanded to. And if tr- Jesus truly is our Lord, we right. should serve. But we don't think about the impact that it has outside of our own sphere. You know, everything that we do has a ripple effect, good or bad. And our service has that same ripple effect. So, you know, we really wanted people to think, you know, how is the gospel shared through my serving? And the the caveat to that is, you know, is the gospel shared through your serving? That should be the first question. And if so, you know, how? And I like the, uh, the, you know, the examples that you gave on Sunday of, you know, the, the people working in the nursery, like they are, they're taking time out of, of their schedule. They're, they're sacrificing so they can be back there watching those young kids, and not just watching, they're teaching them as well, so that parents, grandparents, family, whoever else can be in the service. Right. And, and that was a great way. Um, and then you also mentioned something that, you know, I hadn't really thought about before, but Avery, the fact that he, yeah. he cuts the grass every single week. He makes sure it's done. And so that, you know, people on staff don't have to do it. Otherwise, we would be out there. Right. Like, we would be Absolutely. rotating off and on a lawnmower. Uh, I started, you know, I said Sunday, if he wasn't doing it, then I would be out there cutting the grass and wouldn't be studying. But I, I thought about it later. I said, actually, sometimes it probably would be Caleb and Connor out there yeah. doing it. We would. We, and then, and here's the thing, then other ministry gets let go because right. you only have so many hours in a day. I, I was talking to a pastor. Um, I, w- I started to call his name, but I, I, I won't call him out. But uh, when it's a good story, uh, hopefully he won't mind. Jim Perdue is pastor of Second Baptist and uh, Warner Robins. It's the largest church in our association. And, and at the time, I was uh, our association's moderator, um, which kind of is like president of our association. And so part of my duties was to um, recruit and um, assign other pastors to different um, committees to get jobs done throughout the year. Some of those positions were filled other ways, but the moderator has to appoint an uh, X number of people to certain positions. So anyway, I, I called uh, Jim and I said, look, uh, I'm, I would really like for you to serve, you know, the association in some manner. Uh, I know it's a large, you're in a part of a large church and you're really busy and, you know, you got a lot on your plate and um, it's very difficult for you to add something else to your plate. And I don't want to add anything else to your plate. So I, I said, I, I've just I really worked hard to find this particular position that you could feel that will take minimum effort. And, and, I'm, and I'm going through and just, you know, I'm really trying to sell this thing on that. It's not going to take much of your time. And Jim interrupted and he said, whoa, 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 stop, Tim. How many hours in a day do you have? I said, what do you mean? He said, literally, how many hours in a day do you have? I said, 24. And he said, uh, you know how many hours in a day I have? 24. He said, exactly. He said, I don't have any more time or any less time than you do. He said, are you serving? Said, yeah, that's why I'm calling you. He said, then 
why can't I serve? It's, my time's no more, no less valuable than yours. It's about priorities. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I want to serve. And what do you need me to do? And it inspired me. I'm telling you, I, I've, um, I've never shared that with him, but it, it probably should have. But uh, it inspired me to, you know, most, a lot of pastors that are pastoring a church that runs a thousand on the weekends or 2000 or whatever they run would have that attitude of, listen, I got more important things to do. Um, but he, he has a heart to serve. If we all had that, you know, um, because it, it, it takes off, it takes a, a burden off someone else. And, and, um, you know, this question, how is the gospel shared through my serving should be a question we're always asking. And number one, here's the first question probably needs to be asked for that in my serving. Right. You know, some people can't answer this because they're, they're yeah, not serving. There, there's two prerequisite questions. Is, <laughs> yeah. Are you serving? That's right. Is your serving sharing the gospel? Right. And then how, how? does it? <laughs> exactly. But, but I love the question because the question mandates you ask those other questions right. first. And, but yeah, I mean, just like, uh, you know, Jim was willing and wants to serve to help other people. Same, the same thing with Avery and, and all the people that work in the back with our children and the people who clean the bathrooms here and, and all of that stuff uh, has to be done. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and, you know, there's other service, like for instance, you know, we have uh, the fair going on right now and our association has this baby changing station mm-hmm. where uh, we we offer an opportunity and a safe place for mothers to bring their babies or fathers to bring their babies and get to to change their diaper. And we provide them with all the everything they need to do that and sanitary and all that stuff. So, but in exchange, we have an opportunity to share the gospel with them while they're there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's that's a ex- great example of a blar- glaring example of how our service can share the gospel. But I want you to look f- deeper. In examples like I was talking about Avery and how his service in cutting the grass every week and me not, I've never asked, I've never wondered if the grass was going to be cut. I've never pulled up and said, man, I wish they'd come cut the grass. He, he just handles it. And and others have helped him in the past. Um, and I hope some others will step up and start having him in yeah. the future. But he, a lot of grass. yeah, it is. <laughs> and, but he don't, he don't complain. He just does it. I saw him out here yesterday spraying for weeds and he just... He just does it. And that takes so much off my plate so that I can focus on preparing to share the gospel on Sunday, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to have time to walk through every single one of sure. these questions, but I, I did want to hit a couple of the ones. Um, and I think the one, and again, I, maybe I'm a little biased because I preached on Smyrna, um, but the question, why am I not persecuted for Christ? Mm. Because Christ, like the New Testament tells us over and over again, Jesus tells us over and over again, Paul, Peter, John, they all say, if you love Christ, if you are living for him, then you will face Mm. persecution. Absolutely. There's no, it's not, it's not a hypothetical, it's not a maybe, it's if this is happening, then persecution comes. And so that question is like, why, why am I not persecuted? Am I not living for Christ enough? Do I... Do I stop when the world says to stop? Do I stop when, you know, it starts to get uncomfortable? Like, why am I not persecuted? Yeah. Yeah, you know, Jesus said, as much as they hated me, how much more are they going to hate you? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and and it should cause concern in, in my life when, when I'm not facing persecution. Um, yeah. <clears throat> if there's, if... My dad has a saying, he said, if you're not meeting the devil head on every day, you're walking in the same direction. Mm. You think about it. If, if I'm not facing that persecution, devil ain't worried about me. And, and um, Paul said, I believe it was, he said, you know, count it all joy in the suffering. Right. right. And, you know, what, and, and when I, you read that, you think, count it all joy in suffering? Why, why would I count? But it, it's, listen, you're in good company. First of all, uh, right. you know, all of the apostles other than John was, was, you know, beheaded or hung or, and you know, John got boiled alive. Like, it's right, not like exactly, exactly. <laughs> and then he, you know, was sent out on the Island, you know, but there's, um, <clears throat> there should be concern 
in your heart if everything's going well and the devil's never coming against you and no one is ever persecuting you for being a Christian. It may be that they say, eh, he ain't hurting anything. Right. Yeah, it, he's not being effective. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, if somebody's um, trying to do something against me and I look and I see that they really don't have any chance of doing it, they're, 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 or they're not even trying, I'm not going to worry about it. Kind of like that that little kid that wants to beat you up, that little boy who's just yeah. rambunctious, and it's like I'm, put your I'm, hand on yeah, his head. I'm not concerned. And he's like... swinging, <laughs> and you're like, whatever, you know. I mean, yeah, uh, you know, uh, um, or uh, you know, in, in this case, it would you know be you know. I know that they are. Um, I know that my actions answering this question could reveal that I know that my actions. Is it threatening to the devil? Is it threatening to uh, those who don't believe the Bible? So they don't—they—they're not concerned about wasting their time, you know. And uh, so uh, this is one of the more telling questions, certainly out of all of them. It's the uh, one that I think might scare me the most because I'm, yeah. I'm thinking: Do I look more like the world than I do Christ, yeah. and is that why they accept me? Yeah. And like, do our churches? look more like the world than they do Christ, and that's why mm. we're not persecuted. Yeah. <laughs> Again, yeah. these questions, uh, I helped write them, and I still am yeah. struggling uh, answering them as well. Yeah. Um, well, so, y'all, the staff did a great job with all of these questions. Yeah. I hope that everyone's listening, and everyone that was here Sunday or have gone back and listened to it, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get these questions. Um, is there a way we could put these up, I guess, on this podcast or something or somewhere? Yeah, I mean, we can we can throw them in the description. Well, um, so that maybe you're listening now and you weren't here Sunday. Mm-hmm. Go back. I encourage you, uh, strongly encourage you, go back and read these questions and answer them for yourself. I want to I want to address one more of these from Sunday, and then we actually had um, some people submit some questions that we'll get to. But okay. I think this one is really important, um, especially in the midst of answering these questions, because you could start to doubt and you could start to have concerns about different things. But the question, how do I mm. know my relationship with Jesus Christ is real? And then what about others who profess to be Christians around me? But importantly, when, when I'm answering these questions and I'm starting to think like, oh, no, like I'm, I'm falling short in some areas. How do I know that my relationship with Christ is real? Well, it's it's just like what I said earlier. Um, it's the fruit. So uh, Jesus said in Matthew seven, um, starting in verse sixteen, said, "You'll recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't. Hear what I'm, hear what he says." He says a good fruit, a good tree, can't produce bad fruit. Yeah, it's not even an option. Right. It is now. Now, don't hear something is not there. He's not saying that um, a Christian can't sin. Right. Obviously, because there's lots of other scripture that that that, that uh, he he says other things. But um, but what is the fruit that you're producing? Uh, that's that would be my number one question. Um, personally, and I, I've, there's been times where I've doubted my salvation. Um, I haven't in years, but there's been times as an adult, a number of times I've doubted my salvation. I question how could I be doing this or how, you know, and, and, and be saved. God settled my personal one because I've never doubted my calling. Mm-hmm. Never. And God, so God spoke to me one day and he said, do you doubt that I called you to the ministry? I said, absolutely not. I know that. So do you think I would call someone who's not saved to, to do my work? And I, okay, like that it. don't make sense. <laughs> yeah. Why didn't I think right. of that? You know? <laughs> so anyway, uh, and that's kind of how God, God answers so many times when, when we'll just ask him. And so, you know, I, I would say, first of all, comp- examine your fruit. Mm. What are you producing? And number two, talk to the Lord about it. He'll reveal to you if you're his child or not. And, yeah. and you know, that's another thing. How is he disciplining you? 
You know, I only right. discipline my own children. Right. I don't discipline I, others. That's what that promise to you know, Laodicea was. Absolutely. Like, I discipline those who I love. That's right. Um, I would also throw in, uh, just to, to close this point off, but if you are asking these questions or struggling with this, go and read 1 John because he addresses it. Yeah. Uh, that, the whole book of, of 1 John is, is talking about how do you know your relationship with Christ is real. Um, so I want to get to, we have two questions to talk about that were uh, sent in to us um, on Sunday. Uh, the first one, kind of in the, the same vein of thought, but how can I show my relationship with God in my everyday life? Well, how can I show my relationship with God in my everyday life? Uh, I, w- I would look for opportunities, uh, number one, to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and I'm not saying you, you have to uh, be a street evangelist uh, standing out there, you know, with a, with a sign that says, turn or burn. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, so I, if, if we're not careful, especially as pastors, we, our whole sphere of influence will be other believers. Right. So I look for opportunities to surround myself with non-believers. Now that, that I'm, I'm not saying go hang out at the Thirsty Turtle, you know, it's closed, but, you know, whatever. Don't, don't, don't go, go looking for sinful areas, you know, to surround yourself with because you're going to be like the people that you're around for the most part. But I also know that I, I, there's a lot of other things like, um, you know, uh, the person that cuts my hair or um, the a guy that cuts my grass, it's, uh, my lawnmower's torn up, so I had to hire somebody, and I've been witnessing to him, and I've been after him for some time to to come to church, um, and 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 I sometimes I hire him to come over so for that opportunity, you know, to just um, give him something. I, sometimes I just give him, you know, some extra, whatever, uh, not money, but other things, and. And I'll invite, you know, devotionals. I gave him one of my devotionals one time, and uh, about a year later, he quoted something that was in that devotional. Hey, I was like, yeah. I didn't even remember it. <laughs> I wrote it, you know. I was like, <laughs> wow. So I had to go back and look at it. So what's he talking about? So, you know, in your everyday life, you know, there's that server who's having a hard time. Uh, food coming out late because of the kitchen. Uh, don't blame the server. Show her grace or him grace. and. Um, the people that's fixing your coffee at the coffee shop, you know, um, have have a pleasant conversation with them, and and then invite them to church or share the gospel or whatever, you know. So in your everyday life, it, as you are going, you can show your relationship with Him. Number one, by being a forgiving person. It's it's one of God's greatest and most bold or whatever characteristics is that. He he forgives us when we don't deserve it, you know. So that person that cuts you off in in in, in the Kroger line, uh, you can show your relationship by being forgiven, even forgiving, even if that person don't deserve it. I mean, it's it's not for it's really not forgiveness if the person deserves it. It's a transaction, right? You know, they paid for whatever. So for, forgiving someone by nature says they don't deserve this, but I'm going to release them from any consequences. So. You know, you can do that with your neighbor who parked over on your side of the grass or blew their grass over in your, your, on your driveway, whatever. Mm-hmm. Just uh, know the scripture and, and live like Jesus did. I think one of the big things for me, and again, it's we talk about the things that we're passionate about. And so it's, it's just talk to people about what you're reading in the Bible. Talk to right. them about what you learned on Sunday. Talk to them about what your small group was studying and how, you, you know, you've seen it. Just just talk to people about Jesus and they're going to be like, Oh, like you, you do care. It, you're not, you're not just a Sunday and Wednesday Christian or you're not just a, you know, whatever. You could add another question to these and, and, uh, these questions that we talked about and, and, and ask the question of yourself. Have I talked more about the Bulldogs or the Braves this week than I have Jesus? Get a lot of people <laughs> in trouble with that. One. Yeah. I mean, but, but it's true. Yeah, that's your everyday life. I yeah. mean, the people around you, what are you conversing about? Mm-hmm. What, are, what are you known as? You know, you know. I, I, I love sports. I talk about it all the time. Uh, I listen to 
sports talk radio sometimes on radio probably too much this time of year during college football uh i I love hockey i'm involved with our local making hockey team as a chaplain i love hunting you know i study that and talk about it but but there's nothing i certainly love my family and you hear me talk a lot about my grandbaby and kids and wife but um there's nothing that is as important and there should be nothing on my lips as much as the grace of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so the second question is, is a good follow-up to that, but they asked, how can I become more confident in sharing the gospel? That's easy. It sounds like a very difficult question. It's a great question. Both of these are great questions. I'm, uh, whoever uh, sent them in, thank you very much. Uh, seriously. But it's, it, it sounds like very hard. How can I become more confident in sharing, my, sharing the gospel? And the easy answer is share the gospel. Right. It's, I was thinking the exact same thing. It, it's just practice. It's hard to begin. Uh, I, I get that confidence. Is, but you know what? Bill's confidence is, is practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, you know, I know I use a ton of sports analogies, but if you go out to face an opponent uh, at whatever it is you're doing, uh, if you've practiced it enough where well, you know what you're doing, then you're going to be confident in every move you make. Um, if you go to take a test in school and you've studied, you've done your due diligence, you've worked hard and taken practice tests, when it's time for the real test, you're going to have a whole lot less anxiety. Mm-hmm. It's not saying you're going to, Anxiety is going to go away, but, you know, the more you do something, the more confident you are in it. I, I was sharing with uh, some of my family over the last uh, day. You know, I had, I had to preach a funeral, unfortunately, for Andy Black, um, our assistant's uh, husband, this week. And it was a sad occasion, and, you know, it was tough, but... <clears throat> I said, you know, there were six pastors there, and two of them have their doctorate, and one of them's been my professor, and one of them has been my pastor, uh, I've learned a lot from, and they were all well-respected men who uh, um, have done collectively thousands of, ser- of, of services, mm-hmm. especially and even uh, actual funerals. And so I told Tanya, I said, you know, there was a day I would have been really nervous about that when, when I first began preaching. I'd have been very nervous. I remember the first time Tim Millwood, our association director, walked in and I, I took this, this the, uh, pulpit and opened my Bible to preach. And I looked out and saw him sitting there. I couldn't say anything for, seemed like 10 minutes. <laughs> I mean, everybody's probably looking at me like, what in the world? And, and that, it was because I had not done this very much. So I wasn't confident right. in what I was supposed to do. Now, I, I didn't think, I, I, was, I thought about those pastors being there. I thought, wow, what an honor. Mm. Andy was a, a lover of Jesus. There's six pastors here because Andy was surrounded by people who love Jesus all the time. Um, and he, he had he'd been influenced by all of these men. You know, so uh, it, it didn't, cause me any anxiety because I've done this a lot. And so the more I do it, the more confident I become. Same thing goes with sharing the gospel. This, everybody's got to have that moment where, that I had standing behind that pulpit looking at the face of Tim Millwood, the, the most knowledgeable man about Scripture I know. And, very, you, know, and, and, and you just got to dive in. And you just got to say, I got to get over that. And, and I'm going to stutter and... <laughs> had a person come to me one time and said, uh, Tim, I just want to tell you, uh, you, you've really improved in your preaching. So, ah, thank you. I'm kind of feeling good about it. You know? Yeah. I'm, when you first started preaching, I, I told my spouse, I don't know what in the world we're going to do if something ever happened to your dad. I just couldn't listen to that every week. <laughs> okay. Thanks, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> Just <thanks. laughs> pop that balloon, you know. <laughs> so uh, you're not saying I'm good. You're just saying I'm not terrible anymore. So, you know, right. but it was, 
is all they, they they meant it for good. They meant it as a compliment. So the point is, you know, um, you're the first time you share the gospel, you may not do it perfectly. Um, like there's a bad way, but anyway, the point is, do it. Just mm-hmm. do it. Just say, yeah, I just gotta. I, I, just going to the gym the first time is not fun. The results of it is if you continue to go, mm-hmm. and it gets easier as you go. So I would say, um, to be to get more confident, um, uh, know, have a plan basically, and then just start sharing the gospel. I would say too. Uh, you know, you don't want it to be super rehearsed. You want to be led by right. the spirit in the moment. But Absolutely. it is okay. And I would say I would encourage. You know, share the gospel with your spouse. Share the gospel mm-hmm. with your friends. Share, share it with people right. that you're close to first. Sure. And just get used to, you know, walking through some steps. And you yep. know, if you've never shared the gospel before and you want to know how, you know, contact the office, send me an email. Absolutely. Um, we'll get you whatever resources uh, that you need to help you out. But it really is, you know, uh, just just practice. And then when the opportunity presents itself, just trust that the Holy spirit is going to do the work because it's not you that's saving them anyway. Absolutely. So, um, just be a, the tool in the Holy spirit's hand at that point. Absolutely. Um, but again, thank you for submitting those questions. Uh, we encourage people to yes. submit uh, as many as possible. We would love to, to spend a lot of time answering your questions, um, yep. versus just, you know, talking back and forth. <laughs> but uh, thank you all for joining us again this week on Diving Deeper. Uh, like always, we have church on Sunday at 9 and 11. We hope to see you there. Um, and this week, we're, we're kicking off a new series. It's going to be uh, really exciting, um, talking about our house. And we are, we're, we're taking the next step. We're going to try and apply everything we've learned from this past Series 7 and really focus on, you know, are we doing what Jesus has called us to do? Are we living the commands that he's told us to do? So I encourage you uh, to be here on Sunday as we kick off this new series and join us again next week on Diving Deeper. Thank you.